Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Hello and welcome along to the latest Forza Italian football podcast. I'm your host, Connor Clancy, and joining me this week is a returning Vito Doria. Vito, welcome along. Thanks, Connor. Glad to be here. Um, be glad to be wrapping up the whole Serie A action for 2016-2017, and it looks like we're going to have a top pod today. Let's hope so. We'll, we'll kick off with the Champions League anyway, but let me just finish the introductions first. Second up is... The big boss, Dov Schiavone. Dov, welcome along. Oh, it's good to be here, Conor Clancy. It's exciting. I, I like how I get to be in the middle of Vito and the next person. It's good. Makes me feel special. Yeah, I deliberately left the next person for last because I think that's where he deserves to be, to be honest. Nice. Um, having abandoned us for the last couple of weeks, it's Nicholas Carroll. Nick, welcome back, I guess. Thank you, Conor. I'm sure you were saving the best for last there. It's a bit sad that the season's over now, but a lot to talk about, no doubt, with the season that's gone in the Champions League. So, yeah, let's do it. Yeah, well, over just remember. Oh, thanks for just coming up as soon as I start speaking. That's really good of you. We've really missed you here, Nick. Anyway, just remember, if you do like the videos that we do somehow and you listen to the podcast and you like the website, you can help us out a little bit by donating whatever you can afford to on patreon.com. Just head over to ForzaItalianFootball.com. No, Patreon.com forward slash ForzaItalianFootball. And you can give us whatever you feel comfortable giving us. Um, the you big... make a habit of this, Connor, don't you? Mucking up things. You're almost as bad as me mucking up the, the name of the podcast last week. I forgot where I was. Yeah, that was <laughs> I think that was the worst mistake to have been made on the pod, to be fair enough. At least I know where I am. Well, well hold on a minute. I, I spent four years calling it that name and then I like, handed over <laughs> to you and, and took a wee break. And it kind of it's almost automatic. You know? But I remembered just. What's the name of the podcast? The Fort Italian Football Podcast. 
There you Fantastic. go. And where can they find us on Patreon? Patreon.com forward slash Forza Italian Football. Mm, it's really go. easy, honestly. You're getting the hang of it now, Dove. Good man. <laughs> Maybe I'll learn something. Right, let's get on with this. Um, the Champions League final is why we're here, really. Juventus were smashed. <laughs> let's put it bluntly. They <laughs> performed quite well in the first half, but then just fell to pieces in the second. I suppose, Dove, you were there. Luckily, representing Forza Italian football. Very much so. How did Juventus manage to mess it up that badly or are Real Madrid just that much better? I think on the night they proved they were that much better, um, especially in the second half. Juventus had their one shot on well, one shot on goal, which was uh, Alexandro Header in the 82nd minute. Um, and in the second half, really, Real Madrid, you, you could be fair to say they wiped the floor with them which was almost astonishing to see, particularly after the first half. And you had, uh, it was really quite a balanced first half with both teams kind of going at each other and it looked very, very even. And it looked like a, a great final was was set up, um, especially after Mario Mandzukic's goal. Um, but for whatever reason, uh, Max Allegra said in the post-match press conference it was a mental problem. In the second half, they just weren't there at all. Um and that's something we don't see from Juve because I think in the, the pre-Champions League podcast that we did on this and other things I've done, Juventus have been superior to every single team they've played this season. Every single team. There's not one you can say, well, actually, no, they give, they give Juve a good game or Juve had to work really hard for that. They've dominated almost every single team they played. I'm not talking about games where they, they play the reserves or they get beat off Bologna or whatever. It's, but when you they need to play, you they always turn up. And this was the one occasion in the season, probably the worst time for it to happen, where in the second half they just didn't turn up. Um, and something Zidane said as well, which I also think played a factor into it, uh, was that physically Juve couldn't keep up with Real Madrid as well. Uh, and I think that was telling, uh, particularly after Pjanic went off and, and, and Kedir, Pjanic and Kedira were kind of dropping off as the second half wore on and he was taken off. And with Lamina um, and Kedira in the centre of the pitch, they, they, they just had no answer for, for Modric in particular, Tony Cruz and, and uh, Casemiro, which is something obviously Max Allegri will need to look at the, and look at in the summer and see what he needs to do. And I think what another point is that Zidane tactically kind of managed to shuffle his players around a bit better than Allegri did. So, really, it was it was something that was very, very unexpected. I don't think anybody, anybody, in any media outlet, anywhere in the world would have said that Real Madrid were going to win this final um, scoring four goals. Nobody's seen that at all. Yeah, well, that was the thing. Juventus had conceded three goals the whole journey from the group stages to the final. And then they conceded three goals in the space of about 25 minutes in the second half, which is absolute madness but Nick Ronaldo, Ronaldo's goal was the first one they've conceded I think from open play as well that's crazy they've been so good defensively and then they completely just fell apart Nick one player in particular who struggled for Juve was Gonzalo Higuain he's got a bit of a reputation for doing this in finals where he disappears what did you think of his performance I know Marca didn't even give him a rating for the game <laughs> Yeah, it's it's a difficult one because I think he's possibly been a bit harshly judged in some ways. But yeah, he 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 didn't he didn't 
you think back to like to against Napoli, those kind of games where just from nothing he was able to produce. And I guess that's where it's coming from. I mean, uh, he wasn't necessarily given the best opportunities, but he didn't deliver when he, you know, the biggest moment of his season. So I guess in that respect, he wasn't able to pull something out of the hat, um, which he has often done. So, yeah, you know, it's hard. It's hard against a Real Madrid team like that that played that well. But I do. I really think that Real Madrid showed that they were a, um, a better team. So, yeah, yeah. Dolph, I'm not, I'm not. you you discussed Gonzalo Higuain on Turkish television today. Is it fair to say you agree that he's harsh? Being no, but it was rubbish. <laughs> it really was. <laughs> he he. Apart from the assist for Manzukic's goal, which was fantastic. We'll give him that and credit where credit's due. But for the rest of the game, Sergio Ramos and uh, Rafael Varane had him marked out, the, marked out of the game. They just they, they could not get away from either of them. Couldn't get a yard of space. He, he, he wasn't even making runs for the likes of Dybala and Sandro and Dani Alves and Pjanic to, 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 to give them somewhere to put the ball for him, which, like Nick said, that's something that he's been able to do all season. All season he's, been, he's managed to do it throughout the Champions League campaign and throughout the Serie A campaign. And this was the game that Juventus bought Gonzalo Higuain for. Hmm. This is why they paid 90 million euros for him to get in the Champions League final and for him to score goals in the Champions League final and, and win them that trophy that obviously they're desperate to get. And he didn't do it and he wasn't able to do it. And other people... People have said maybe he's, hard, he's been harshly criticised, but he's played in 10 finals in his career and scored two goals. That For a striker of Gonzalo Higuain's quality, that unfortunately isn't good enough. Mm. You expect you compare that to like Didier Drogba, who seemed to score in every single final that he played in. Ronaldo. Cristiano Ronaldo. Will come to him. Every time there's a big game, he steps up and you... I thought that this would have been the one Higuain would have done. It's against his old team. He's been in such great form. He's, he's probably in the best form of his entire career. This this was the time. It's time, as Juventus said. <laughs> well, not quite. Vito, another player who struggled for Juventus was Paolo Dybala. Probably more understandable given this is his first big final. I think Allegri mentioned that after the game. But what do you think the issue was for Dybala there? Was it just a mental thing? I reckon some of it was a mental thing because he's only 23. So being in a big game like that, a lot of those younger players, they don't adapt too quickly. Only the really great players can sort of step in at that age and do something. That doesn't mean Dybala will sort of fade away. I still believe over time he can be decisive in those games. But I think being the first time uh, that probably made an impact and the way Real Madrid were defending as a team that limited space too also just wanted to go back on Higuain and when you have someone like him who lacks mobility and he's probably not carrying uh, um, what was it He's actually, I reckon he looks overweight, to be honest. Uh, I don't think he's really trimmed down since he moved from Napoli. So when someone isn't offering off-the-ball movement or trying to shrangle, uh, shrug off taggers or markers, um, it doesn't make things easier for your teammates either. And although Dybala 
is still young. I don't think Higuain, who's more experienced and has a bigger profile, helped him out at all. Dov, you look like you wanted to jump in on the Higuain's carrying a bit too much weight. Well, that's the second time today I've heard this. And <laughs> I think, uh, no, no, no offence, Vito, but I think it's stupid to say that because it's the end of the season. <laughs> if, if, he, if he's not at the correct weight after playing however many games, 40-plus games and all the training he's done in between, then then when is he ever going to be the right way? Well, Who knows? I, I find that mind-boggling. Well, I'll put it this way. I was discussing it with my father, and my dad showed no diplomacy. He said, allegedly, he's got to be tough on him. You get down to this way. He said, you about 90 kilos, you're not going to play until you go down to 80. Um, he wanted the tough love approach, and maybe that's going to work. I think people are just blinded by his 90 million tag. And I'm also going to say, Giuseppe Marotta made the worst mistake of his career as a director by getting Higuain. Hindsight's a beautiful thing, but that was proof of it. Proof in the pudding. Marotta, that was stupid. (laughs) Vito, we're talking about Juventus here, not general. I didn't expect this from you so early in the podcast. But uh, (laughs) what are your thoughts? We'll continue the Higuain debate. Was he worth 90 million? Me and Dov discussed this in the preview pod, and we kind of said what Dov said already tonight that that 90 million was for this one match, and he didn't deliver. Is this to me? Sorry, <laughs> yes, you're Nick. Yes, okay, cool. Um, yeah, it, I, I never thought he was worth a 90 mil to be, to be honest. And going along with what, um, off the back of what Vito is saying, I'd I do kind of agree with what he's saying in that I, I don't think you can sit here and say that, yeah, okay, yes, Higuain scored goals, he's he's delivered uh, quite often, but he, he's not at his best physical shape. And I don't think he, there's no, in my mind, there's no doubt that he can play better than he did this season. There's no doubt about it. So, you know, he gets a lot of praise, I think, in that Juve team probably more than he deserves sometimes. So I, I don't see him as the hardest worker. And, yeah, if you're going to pay 90 mil, he has to deliver at those kind of games, I guess. I do right, think he was... One. Sorry, but here's one for you. Yeah. See in the... He's played, what, 44 games, 40, 45 games if you include the Super Cup for Juve this season, scored 29 goals. Hmm. So seeing all those other games, was he at the right weight when he scored 29 goals? And then suddenly in the Champions League, he's overweight and that's why he's been rubbish. Yeah. I, I don't buy it for a second. It's, it's not, it's, it's, he's, he's, been, he's overweight. Well, whether you want to say overweight or he's not at his peak physical uh, weight, he hasn't been all season. There's no doubt for me. And I think, I'd, I think you, okay, 29 goals or not, but you look at some of the defences that they've been playing, Juventus has been playing against in the Serie A, They've been absolutely shite, and that's the minimum. He's he scored 24 goals in Serie A this season. That's the minimum that he should have scored because, yeah, I, 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 I don't think he's at his peak. So I, I do kind of agree with Vito on that one. And, yeah, he's if someone's going to pay 90 mil for you, I think you should be doing everything you can to be at your your peak, and I don't think he is. Not to say that he can't do amazing things because obviously we know he can, but, you know, maybe that's the kind of difference. Maybe after a whole season, he just didn't have the, even the fitness 
um, to go on to right to the end because he didn't deliver when it mattered, I guess. All right, Vito, Mario Mandzukic's goal, it, it all looked so good for Juventus when they pulled that back because they were quite good in the first half, I think it's fair to say. Um, they went behind kind of almost unfairly, almost, and then they equalised with that stunner. Is that the best goal that's ever been scored in a Champions League final? It's very close to being the best ever, in my opinion. I definitely think it's better than Zinedine Zidane's volley from the 2002 final between Real Madrid and Bayer Leverkusen. Um, this is just my personal view. I'm still divided between that goal and Dan Savicevic's lob from the 1994 final between AC Milan and Barcelona. I still think the height that Savicevic got it at and also the angle he was on too to lob it over Andoni Zubizarreta I still think that's the best goal in my opinion. And um, and Zukic, uh, I think, would probably be a very close second because of the whole execution, the long pass from Bonucci, Alexandro with the cross, Higuain doing one of the very few good things he did in that final to Chester to Mandzukic. And then just that technique by Mandzukic to execute the bicycle kick, and that was amazing. It was just a shame that... Uh, it wasn't a catalyst for better things for Juventus. Here's some statistics on that one, right? Eight touches from start to finish of the move, and the ball didn't touch the ground once. That's that's yeah. that's good. That's really good. That's excellent. That is excellent. You said some statistics, though. I presume you've got more. I've got other ones, but, but I'll leave the rest of you guys to see if someone else <laughs> got some as well. <laughs> a Manzuka stat that I enjoyed was... Up until then, he had scored 22 goals for Juventus, or in 22 games for Juventus and never lost. So when he scored that goal and Juve were level, it looked, everything looked good for them, but it just wasn't to be, was it? I, I thought, I was watching the game and Ian Rush brought out the trophy. Um, Seven Nation Army was being played around the stadium. It looked like the signs were kind of pointing in favour of the Italians, but it just didn't happen that way. Uh, we spoke about someone who's perhaps not, at the peak of their physical powers. Someone who unquestionably is, Nick, is Cristiano Ronaldo. He's a phenomenon, isn't he? Yeah, I mean, I don't think there's really more you can say than what's been said a hundred thousand trillion times about him. He's incredible. He's, well, him and Lionel Messi are just so far behind, beyond anyone else in, in world football. Um, you know, it's not only week in, week out, but on the biggest occasions is the thing. He always manages to pull pull something out. And that's, that's you know, what you're talking about. With, you, you just think in terms of the, the money that be, that's put around these days for players. Um, you think of Pogba, you think, as we discussed, Higuain, and it's ridiculous because, you know, players just can't deliver that, that, that amount that, on that kind of money. But Cristiano Ronaldo is possibly the one player that you might say can actually live up to such a price tag because he he delivers when you need him to and you know he he cops a lot um and I'm I'm personally not his biggest fan myself but um hey he delivers the goods you cannot be well, his biggest fan the stats don't lie as he said I've got himself. some stats though if you have Go for it now. I'll let you do your stats. I've done some. Well, I was writing about this just before we came into the podcast, and Cristiano Ronaldo scored 25 La Liga goals this season. 
six of them came in his last four games. So one quarter of his La Liga goals almost were in his last four games. And since the quarterfinals, Real Madrid scored 14 goals in the Champions League. Cristiano got 10 of them. He is sensational. Dov, you would watch him more than we would throughout the course of the season, but how does he keep this up? Well, that, this has all been planned since the start of the season. Zidane and Ronaldo had a conversation in the, in the summer, well, last summer. Basically, Zidane told Ronaldo, I want you, you're going to get rested and dropped over the course of the season so that when you get to the, 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 the business end, you're fresh and you're at your peak then rather than him trying to kind of maintain a, a 50 goal season throughout the entirety of it, which at 32 years old, physically, he's not capable of that anymore. And like Ronaldo's had problems with coaches like Jose Mourinho and Benitez because he wants to play every game. He wants to win. He's, he's, a, he's a proper competitor, as we've seen when he said in the pre, uh, pre-match press conference or pre-match media day thing, where he was like, you can't be humble. You have to kind of go out and win and give your all. And that's the kind of guy he is. He wants to win. In the post-match game, when he was given the man of match of the award, post-match press conference, he, he said... I was asked about like the whistles that he gets sometimes from the Bernabeu crowd. And he said, well, my critics can't say anything. There's nothing that they can say against me because every single statistic that you can think of goes his way. Every single one. He said, the stats don't lie and they don't. He's arguably, and I would say probably is, the best goal scorer in the history of football. Not player, goal scorer. Ronaldo is, is amazing. And you can't knock him for anything at all. I think one of the most amazing things about him in recent seasons is how he has adapted his game. He was a winger and quite a little tricky nippy winger at that. And now he's just the perfect number nine. So for someone to develop into that at the end of their career is just remarkable. Vito, you, you, sorry, I'm gonna, I need to cut you off again. Honestly, I've got, I've got all the stuff. Go, I'll be go for it. So that comes in. Um, the average positions of the Real Madrid team, right? Because you looked at it when it was starting, it was a 4-3-3. The average positions had Benzema and Ronaldo playing up top together with Isco directly, directly behind them in what we would say the trequartista role. That's how the average positions panned out. And every time there was a ball out wide or anywhere near the box, Ronaldo and Benzema, both of them, went into the box because you never get before you drift out wide or you come back, but every single time he goes into the box now. And that's something like you see, he's changed his game so much. Mm. Well, that's the thing. When he signed for Real Madrid, he was given the number nine shirt, wasn't he? And then when Raul left, he took the number seven. He's going to have to rebrand himself as CR9, I think, next season going forward, because he's not that number seven that Madrid signed, really. Vito, I was going to throw it over to you. Um, Mario Lamina... No, Dov, I'm only joking. Don't worry. Juan Cuadrado got sent off for an incident with Sergio Ramos. <laughs> Did Juventus have any chance of coming back before that or was the game done? After the third goal, Real Madrid scored. The game looked done. Um, to be honest, I reckon this is where Allegri probably stuffed the game up from a tactical point of view because he went with the lineup that he used against Monaco instead of the 4-2-3-1 that served him well against Barcelona. I think it was ideal to have Dani Alves at right back and Juan Cuadrado starting as a right winger. So to bring him on as an impact sub, it seemed that 
they were, um, Allegri was more content in con- trying to contain Ronaldo than on trying to reinforce themselves offensively. And when Quadrado came on, that just added more pressure on him. And I suppose with the two yellow cards, albeit the last one was a harsh one, um, it was sort of back to the wall stuff. And uh, he was, out of all the subs, he was the only one that was the really creative one or had the characteristics to do something decisive in the offensive phase of the game. So I think it was bad timing from uh, Allegri to make the sub, but also the circumstances I don't think helped Quadrado to play his natural game. I reckon if he had started, it might have been a different outcome. Um, I'm not saying that Juve would have won or won convincingly, but... uh, Perhaps it might have been a closer contest throughout the 90 minutes and uh, at least the world could have seen what Quadrata can do when he's at his rapid best, but it wasn't to be. Yeah, that tactical battle between Zidane and Allegri is something we looked at in the preview podcast. Dov, we kind of came to the conclusion, I think me, you and Padraig were all in agreement, that you take Zidane as a man-manager, but when it came to tactical situations, you'd have Allegri over him. Did Zidane prove on Saturday that he's more than just a man motivated? I think so. It completely did. I think every substitution, small tactical tweaks they made throughout the game were... They were not the, the defining things that won it, but I think they were important. I think physically and mentally, I think that was where the game was won. And I think Allegri did make a few mistakes. I can agree with Vito. I think... Kind of going with that three at the back was a bit of a mistake. I think he should have went um, with the four at the back, which he's played for the majority of the season. Because um, you, you mentioned that Barzali was, he's almost become like a sub in games where they want to close out. And I think that's maybe something he'd probably change if he was to play the final again. Um, and he said that he, he said thing, he kind of alluded not to the fact that he made lots of mistakes, but he said there's going to be some things that he would have done differently in the press conference, but obviously it didn't go too much. The biggest criticism he had was mentally um, rather than tactically. But I think, I think Zidane probably has proved himself to be the best coach in the world right now. You can't really argue with what, what he's, he's, how many, is it 18 months in charge? He's won the Champions League twice in the La Liga title. It's, it's phenomenal. He's, he's, in 15 years, Jose Mourinho's been a coach. He's won the Champions League twice. Zidane's done it in two. He's only, only two, years two years as a coach. And he's, he's got the same amount of Champions League as Pep Guardiola. So you can kind of see this well, Real Madrid team going on, going on to, to, to build a dynasty almost. Um, and, and That's the, the thing. It's like in, in 512 days, Zidane has won two Champions Leagues, the Club World Cup, UEFA Super Cup, um, and La Liga. It's astonishing 17 months in charge he's not doing too badly Nick what next for Juventus because Kev P wrote a piece it's up on ForzaTellingFootball.com now basically saying they're the bridesmaids and even if they were to if you were to tell them now that they were going to get to the final next year they would already have it decided in their head that they're going to lose it was a mental collapse um Buffon in particular has lost three finals with Juventus. Juventus are becoming this team that don't win big finals. In Italy, fine, they can do it. But in Europe, they can't. I think altogether they've lost seven Champions League finals, which is as many as Milan have won. They won't like me saying that, but it's true. So what do they have to do to take that next step? Uh, 
it's that's a very difficult question because personally i i think at least for this era that that was their chance i don't i'm not sure they this this team as it is is going to get another chance like that i think this was the year that they had to do it as so i guess i did agree in terms of that whole it's time thing it was their time it had to be this season for me you know you've got that back three that are, that will be another year older and I, I think there's going to be a big changeover and you know you look at the way even the Serie A plays out for them because with all due respect to some of the other teams the Serie A is just a walk in the park for Juve and they can take it easy they don't have to go full on they and which is why they can remain fresh and go up against a Barcelona team who is fighting for a chance at the La Liga title and absolutely wipe them off the pitch. I think the Serie A teams below Juventus are only going to get better because the last few seasons the competition has been absolutely the quality of the top four behind Juventus haven't has been very poor. It hasn't been good enough to you know for for a league like Serie A. So yeah, well, Atalanta finished fourth this year, so that kind yeah, of says a lot, really. Exactly. Well, you know, not to take anything away from their achievements, but yeah, it's it's true. So, I I, I think this was their season. I I can't see this team, this era of Juventus, getting any better than what they are now. And you fast forward to next year, I I can't see them being able to do the same thing against a Barcelona. I I, I just don't think it's. I think where, this where was do it. they improve then, Nick? Where 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 does Allegri go in the summer? Where do they go and buy to improve that team? Because I think it's the most complete team in terms of the different types of personnel and of all the teams in Europe. Well, I, th- I think it's missing a, a world class midfielder to to really just control and and boss that midfield. I think that was probably showed in. Um, against Real Madrid, I guess that's probably something we don't see as much against, as I said, a lot of the Italian teams because it's it's not a it's not a weakness that comes out. Um, I think that game did show that. But, again, it's only going to come out in those kind of big matches. But, as I said, it's that the, the defence, you know, while, while there is so much young talent and exciting talent that Juventus has in the defence, I, I can't, I don't think you can emphasise enough how big of a, transition it's going to be from BBC to the next era. You know, while, yes, they have some of, you know, probably three of the top five Italian defenders for the next generation, but they've still got to grow into, to be able to grow into the next BBC is that's, that's such, that's huge pressure. And, you know, that, that changes the team that, that Juventus team was built off of that defense so to change that now, I think that changes everything else in front of that. And then, and that's not even without mentioning Buffon. So, yeah, I'd, it, I, I do agree, Dov. It is a very complete team. Midfield, to answer your question, is where I, I think they need to be improved. But I just don't think, I think it's kind of, they've peaked. Marco Verratti. There you go. There, there's your answer. Oh, yeah. Vito, Nick said that Juventus have been able to stroll to the Serie A title in recent years. And to an extent, that's true. But this year, Napoli and Roma both achieved record high points totals. And you would expect them to improve again next season. Is it going to be as easy for them next year in Serie A 
or could they, in theory, I know this is a big jump to make, but could they, in theory, not win Serie A or the Champions League next year? I think it is a possibility. And one of the reasons is for the reasons uh, Nick has pointed out. That team is starting to age and to decline. And there are a good number of players that are over 30 years old, especially that defence. So depending on how their bodies hold out, that could be a problem for Juventus too. Another thing is that, as Nick also pointed out earlier, is that they do need improvements in midfield. And as Dov mentioned, uh, Verratti would be an excellent option for them. I would even go for James Rodriguez myself because, to me, Verratti and James Rodriguez be ideal options. But um, the other teams, I think Roma and Napoli. Roma, they're a strong team, but I still think mentally they bottle big games. And Napoli, as I've said in previous podcasts, I just think they need to work on the defensive game because offensively they've... They haven't got many problems. They're very strong, very strong. Mm, agreed. Dov, just before we move on to Serie A, do you want to fill people in on what happened in Turin on the night? Yeah, it was. Yeah, there were, well, I think it was about twenty or 30,000 Juve fans were in Piazza San Carlo in the centre of Turin watching the game. Um, and just after the final, there were reports of an explosion in, in the Piazza and there was chaos and things like that. It was difficult to try and kind of focus on that and do do my job. Um, but it turned out that what it was was a uh, what a Vieri called a petardo, which is like a big firecracker. Um, you know when you go to see that game, paper bombs or something like that. Yeah, like they're like they're yeah they're big like paper smoke bomb kind of things. Which yeah, if you go to a Serie A game, they're you hear them very often. Um, and obviously one of these was lit off in the middle of the crowd. People panicked. Um, and then obviously there was a big crush um, against the fences uh, around the, the, the piazza that the, the kind of security people had put in place. And I think the last I read, there were about almost 2,000 people who had been injured in it. So it was a bit crazy. Um, luckily, there was no, no fatalities, which is obviously something that, that, that is definitely good to hear. But it's kind of highlights the, the, the kind of uh, the zeitgeist to other things happening in the world which we don't want to happen and how people are a bit on edge so but that, that was basically what happened so it wasn't anything terrorist related as uh, initially it looked like but um, there we, we put a video up on the um, Forza Time Football Facebook page of you just seen the crowd moving away in a semicircle and it just like being in it would just be one of the scariest experiences you could ever have but luckily there's only injuries, no fatalities. So there you go. Yeah, hopefully everyone that was injured um, makes a swift recovery. On a lighter note, Dove, what's been going on with Kate Balde lately? <laughs> well, um, um, there was an Instagram post put out. I think it was uh, last night. I'm sure it was last night um, that had Kate Balde and Patrick, his Lazio teammate, holding hands in lovely swimming shorts on the side of a swimming pool with lots of heart emojis and things like that. So basically everybody jumped on this and presumed that Kita Baldi and Patrick have just come out as a gay couple, which um, obviously that's something that, that a professional footballer hasn't done for many years. I think Justin Fashion, who was the last one I can remember, that a footballer that openly came out was gay. Maybe there's others, but I can't remember. 
Um, so obviously this prompted a flurry of articles about Kit about how came out as gay. But then I was looking at Pat, uh, Patrick's uh, Twitter feed today, and there's another picture which is essentially three people now, three guys with their backs to them, holding hands, same kind of thing. And this one had um, the funny emoji joke things that have the tears coming out of it. So it looked like he was possibly having a joke with people. Um, so who who knows uh, if he comes out uh, if he comes out as gay, it'll be something <laughs> very um, very. Um, Brave, the funny emotion, emotion. with the tears coming out of it. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. I don't know what they're called. What are they called? You're a young person. Tell me what they're called. Oh, you just showed your age there, Dove, for the first what's time. The, what's that one? It's the one, you know, we're like, haha, and it's kind it's of just laughing. a laughing Right, a laughing emoji. It was a laughing emoji. There was loads of them. It was seven or eight. Um, so it might be having a little joke, but well, I don't know. We'll, we'll see if anything else comes out of it. There was a good point. Right, guys, it's time. Hashtag it's time for the Forza Italian Football Awards 2017. You will have seen Nick looking all handsome in his tux on our YouTube channel. Unveiling the categories and the nominees while we have the winners. Nick, what did you say? I didn't bring my tux. Getting a dry claim. Sorry, guys. That's a disappointment because we were going to get you to read out the winners, but I guess I'll have to do that myself. So, team of the season. There were two teams that kind of were clear running away with this at one point. Um, Atalanta were leading by a considerable distance for a long time, but Guess who beat them, Nick? Crotone. You're terrible. Juventus, uh, Juventus won with 40, 43%. Atalanta finished with 30 Overachievers then, I think that one's obvious. Atalanta finished top with 86% of the votes. Underachievers with 69%. Dov, do you know who this was? 
wasn't Kievo because Kievo never underachieved. It was Inter. 69% of the votes were underachieving. Nick, how do you feel about that? Fair? Oh, yeah. It should have been more than 69%. should have been 99%. <laughs> yeah, agreed. Goal of the season, right. We discussed this one a lot on the podcast. Vito, I'm sorry to say, Patrick Schick didn't win, but he did get a top three place. No. no. <laughs> so yeah, no. third was Patrick Schick's goal against Crotone from week 33. Second place was Rajanangalan for Roma against Inter. Nick, you were a fan of that one. But first place was Manuel Locatelli in week nine for AC Milan against Juventus. Signing of the season. This is a big one. We had the top three were Chiro Mobile, Gonzalo Higuain. That kind of looks a bit funny now given Saturday's events. And Dani Alves. Chiro Mobile, third place with 19%. Higuain on 21 and Danny Alves finished first in that one with 27% of the vote. Next up was worst signing of the season. This was one of my favorites. It's one of my favorites pretty much every year. Um, I don't necessarily agree with the winner or loser, whatever you want to call it this year. But third place was Adel Tarat. Yes, he's still in Serie A. He's playing for Genoa. He finished on 13%. Second place, another one who will surprise you. Thomas Romalen is at Roma. He got 24%. But a clear winner slash loser for worst signing of the season. Nick, this is harsh, so I'm going to throw it to you. Is Gabriel Gabigol Barbosa? Yeah, I mean, the kid hasn't give, been given a chance. So a bit, bit harsh, but yeah, you get that. Yeah, agreed. Another one for you, Nick. Loser of the season. Milan as a footballing city with 57%, and that is actually retaining the award from last season. So there's something for the Milanese clubs. They can be happy with that. Veteran player of the season, Andrea Barzali finished third with 4%. Francesco Totti, very sentimental votes there for Roma, finishing second on 19%. But the runaway leader here was Gianluigi Buffon. With 73. Dov, are you particularly aggrieved with one of the exclusions there? Sergio Polisi was winning this at one point, I think, uh, after it was put up and I voted for him very quickly. Um, but <laughs> coming up with the nominees for that one was really difficult because I remember, I remember maybe say, four or five years ago, Serie A was chock full of veterans. And now, nowadays, it's really difficult to find a good 35-year-old that's actually at a decent level. So that, that, that could be a sign that they're going the, the league's kind of going in a younger direction. direction. Yeah, well, Vito actually wrote about that recently, didn't you, Vito? We'll let you plug that at the end. Where, where was Macaroni? What, young player of the season. Huh? Oh, he's finished. We can talk about that later. Macaroni was Big Massimo. Rubbish. Rubbish. He's a has-been. Oh, big He's got relegated. Ah, shut up, Nick. Young player of the season. To qualify for this, you had to be 21 or younger at the start of the season. Third place was Atalanta slash now Milan's Frank Kessie. With can, can we make jokes about that? Because that's probably false. About Frank Kessie not being under 21. Yeah, I think <laughs> well, when he took his medical, When he took his medical, everybody was like, that's it. He, there's no way he's, he's supposed to be 19. That is like, um, um, like Joseph Manala, Lazio, who was like 17 playing for the Primavera, but looked about 40. 71. 
Yeah. Well, older <laughs> he was amazing for the Primavera as well. And then when he played in the first team, he was terrible. Probably yeah. because he was older than all the kids. You but, should um, put an asterisk next to Kessie's name. <laughs> Frank Kessie only turned 20 like a week ago. And at his birthday party, all the players were uploading photos onto Instagram and all of them were just captioning it with like 20 years, loads of question marks and those little laughing emojis, which they're his mates, you know, they're hanging about to dry. Um, player of the season. This is a big one, so we'll open up the discussion a bit on this. Third place was Gianluigi Donnarumma for Milan. He got 16%. Second place was Gonzalo Higuain on 17%. I'm sure if the if this went on for a week more, he would get considerably lower. But first place, this surprised me actually, was Napoli's Dries Mertens on 19%. Nick, you shook your head there. Why? Um, mainly at Higuain's inclusion in that. I'm, I'm a bit baffled as to how he's second voted second you know i don't want to question the the fif fans we know they know best but i would just ask the question um well he's the fourth highest goal scorer in Serie A this season i don't know i i wouldn't pick him in my top three best juventus players this season let alone the best in Serie A. so just a lot of english speaking juventus fans out there isn't it Mm, like um yeah very interesting i'd have yeah, you know, Benucci, Kadira, Menzukic, Dybala, probably all ahead of um, Higuain. <laughs> Alejandro Gomez. Dov, who got your vote for player of the season? I can't remember, actually. I think Higuain's fair. I think in Serie A, Higuain's been amazing. He scored bucket loads of goals. Fourth being. Yeah, still loads of goals. Yeah, everyone scored loads of goals this season, though, Nick. Yeah, no, I has been a good one. Uh, I can't really argue that. Danny Alves was more towards the end of the season. Mm. And I can't remember who came second. Who was, who was the other one? Who's the other one? Uh, Mertens first, Iguain second, and Donnarumma third. Yeah. I mean, Mer- Mer- Mertens, fair enough. Yeah. Vito, agreed. Mertens, fair enough. I reckon it is. Uh, I must admit that a lot of it's down to Maurizio Sarri uh, changing his position, but I reckon that he's taken his opportunity and he's played really well. Yeah, fair enough. Can't disagree. Coach of the season, third place. I'm surprised he only finished third was Lazio, Simone and Zaghi. Um, 16%. That seems a bit harsh, Nick. Sorry, I just had my mic muted. Um, for what, sorry? Stop reading the comments, Nick, and concentrate. Simone and Zaghi got only 16% of the votes and finished third in the coach of the season, top three. What are your thoughts? Yeah, yeah. I think actually I might have voted for him, actually. It was him or Gasparini. But, um, yeah, I, I think possibly underrated how much he has actually turned around that that t- you could say the team but also the club because you know let's not forget how much of a mess it's been in the the previous seasons um in terms of the club culture the the yeah I, he's made that into a solid team and i think they've got a huge a huge platform to build off a future season so 
Um, yeah, a bit a bit harsh. I think he probably deserved a bit more than that. But you can't go past Gasparini. I don't think that's that's more than fair to to take out the award. Yeah, well, second place first was Massimiliano Allegri on thirty two percent. Again, the Juventus fans voting in their numbers. And first place, as you said, you can't really argue it. It was Gian Piero Gasparini from Atalanta. He finished fourth with Atalanta. Dove deserved. Yeah, pretty much. I mean, <laughs> he finished fourth with Atalanta. I mean, what else can you say? <laughs> and the big one, I'm sure you'll all agree, was one for a sixth year in a row, which is absolutely remarkable. It was the Marco Materazzi Award for greatness. The two options were Marco Materazzi or Matrix. Marco Materazzi won with a whopping 69% of the votes. I'm sure we can't have any arguments there. So I'll open it up to the floor. Vito, you come in first. Is there anything that was wrong with the voting system, maybe? Uh, looking at the voting, I don't really think there was much wrong. I do admit uh, she could have got a few more votes. Um, <laughs> um, that's probably the oldest one from my end. In terms of the underachievers, though, I decided to go a bit left field because I think it's becoming common that Inter has been underachieving recent years. So I did a, a surprising one and I went for Bologna. Uh, people might be wondering why on earth would I vote for Bologna? And that's because I am not very thrilled with Roberto Donadoni as a coach. So he was a great player, a magnificent winger, but he's meant to be a pupil of Arrigo Saki, but he's a very old-school style tactician, Donaldoni, very defensive, very pragmatic. And I reckon with a more attack-minded coach or more all-rounded coach like a Sario Di Francesco type, I reckon with the players Bologna has, like um, Destro, Simone Verdi, Federico Di Francesco and a few others, I reckon they could have climbed higher up the table and played a more expansive style of football. But that's just my view. I just think the old school pragmatists don't really have much of a place in Serie A. You've got to be a more complete all-round package as a coach. Right, moving on to Serie A as a whole then briefly before we end. Dov, well, Nick, you want to say something? I just wanted to briefly touch on the team of the year. Um, I don't know what you guys think, but I was, I guess it depends on the context of how, how people interpret the question team of the season, because there's no doubt Juventus are the best team in Serie A, but um, I, I thought it was a bit odd that they were um, voted the team of the season, given that uh, I feel like if you gave Juve the option of taking a Scudetto and a Coppa Italia, but not a Champions League at the start of the season, I don't think they'd take that they wanted the Champions League and that was the measure of their success this season. So um, I guess it's hard to say given that, you know, the Champions League was only a couple of days, um, couple of days ago. So it's, it is tough. But um, I would put Atalanta or even I'll throw up, I think they only had 1% of the vote, but Crotone, um, I don't think we can emphasise enough what an incredible achievement they they. They pulled off, so I would even have them up there for team of the season um, ahead of Juventus. You can even go if you want to go for kind of an entertaining team, Napoli. Every time Napoli plays a goal fest, so it yeah. depends on your definition. Next yeah, year, exactly. I'll make sure it's properly defined. Yeah, define it for us, dog. <laughs> I want clear, clear criteria. 
And yeah, I want Maro Akadi uh, properly um, considered. We're not doing this. <laughs> We're not having this Carry podcast, on. this discussion on there. Eh? It needed to be Dolph, said. AC Milan. It needed to be said. AC Milan have signed a few players. They were looking like they were going to sign Avaro Morata until he won the Champions League and decided that Madrid's quite great. How are things looking for them next season? Well, they've signed Kessie, who looks good. It looks like they're going to sign Rodriguez. I think, I can't, I think he's at Verde Bremen or Wolfsburg, the, the, the fullback. Um, and pro- probably a striker. Uh, who that may be, we're not entirely sure yet. Bellotti's been mentioned, Morata. Morata looked like it was a done deal, but he has since kind of said that he doesn't want to move back to Italy. Um, so that looks like it's out, but Premier League possibly for him. So that could be one Milan will miss out on. Um, and the other one, I think it was Bidia from Lazio, who he was told, I think today, Simone Inzaghi said he needs to hurry up and make a decision. Is he going to stay at Lazio or is he going to go to Milan? So... I think Milan fans will be quite excited that they're making this, especially making the signings what has just turned June and they've already kind of put the wheels in motion and getting a, a squad together for next season. But I think some of the players, like I don't, I think Kessie is a good player. Is he a player that's going to take Milan to the Champions League? No, he's not. He's it's getting Rodriguez. on a bit now, isn't he? Oh, exactly. He's, he's <laughs> coming to the, the tail end of his career, so he better hurry up. Rodriguez, is Rodriguez going to win your Serie A title? He's not. So, it really, I think these players are more going to consolidate a higher finish in Serie A. They might, they might properly kind of go for Europa League and easily qualify for it, potentially challenge for a third and fourth. But Napoli and Roma are so far ahead of the Milan teams, it's going to take a couple of transfer windows for them to, to get back up there. But I think it's, it's steps in the right direction, which is obviously, that, that's the thing that's where Milan fans want to go. Mm. The point for Milan this summer is surely to not to be competing for the Scudetto next year, but because Serie A get that, gets that fourth Champions League spot, that's where they want to be. And like you said, the top three are pretty much done. But other than that, it's going to be quite well, a, an La- interesting thing to keep an eye on. La- Lazio have, have been one that, a team that, that nobody's mentioned the whole season. They've been fantastic. And Simone Inzaghi has done really well with that team. Um, and if they can keep, because the, the rumours that Keita Baldi's decided he, he wants to leave, Bilia, like you mentioned there, if he can keep the, the core of that team together and reinforce it for European competition, there's no reason why Lazio can't, maybe not challenge, because I don't think their squad depth is good enough, but at least can it keep the fourth spot uh, or, or get in, into the fourth spot that Atalanta got. Atalanta are obviously screwed. They, there's no chance that they're going to do that again. <laughs> yeah, um, big trouble. <laughs> yeah, so, and then Inter are, are apparently going to spend a fortune in the summer. So if Spalletti um, and Sabatini can can bring in some good signings, then they're, they're, that throws Inter into that mix with Milan. Um, there'll be a, a likely new coach at Fiorentina and things like so. I think it depends a lot. I think for Milan fans, as lo- I think as long as that team's moving in the right direction, kind of leadership and some kind of goal, then I think they'll be happy. Um, but in terms of like challenging properly for honours, it's going to take a, a good couple of a good couple of transfer windows, maybe a year or two. Yeah. Nick, you're an Inter fan. What do Inter have to do next season for you to be sitting here chatting to me next June? and being happy with the season that has just gone before? 
um, they have to survive the season without firing a manager. Yeah. Um, that's not going to happen. That would be, be a good start. Um, it's hard to say, you know, given the, the amount of disappointment and the amount of waste that's been happened in recent seasons, even as Dov mentioned, you know, there's a lot of talk about money being thrown around again and it's likely to happen. But, you know, I would rather half that money be spent and if if they were going to have some long-term planning and some foresight for this team, um, that's the key. Um, so I would hope that, you know, Sabatini possibly is is going to be the man for that and bring in some kind of some plan to this squad, building a squad, not just build getting ad hoc players here and there. That's the key. Um, you know, and some of the names still being thrown around, I'm, I'm not keen on, let's say. I don't think they've been thought out too much. But um, stability, um, in a, in a, if I was to answer your question in one word, it's stability, Connor, because that's what the team needs more than anything. All right, well, even Perisic looks like he could be sold to Manchester United. So hopefully for your sake and the sake of our listeners, that move, if completed, the money from it is reinvested wisely. I wouldn't hold out too much hope on that, though. Vito, right, next section. Our hopes for Serie A next season. Vito, I will come to you first. You've been sitting there quietly and patiently. So if you were to, if one thing could happen next season in Serie A that would make you happy, other not Samp related, but go on. I have a feeling what you might say, but what would it be? <laughs> okay. Well, first I'll mention a Samp related one, and that's to hold on to key players and make sure we can actually get into Europe, even if it's the Europa League. So, And also, if we do qualify for Europe for 2018, 2019, we actually have a squad that can actually compete in Europe and not just make up the numbers and embarrass Serie A as a whole. Because it doesn't matter where you come from in Italy, you still got to represent Italy with pride and be competitive. So from some point of view, that's what I'd want to see. And, of course, play a more expansive style of football, whereas with uh, Giampaolo, I think he's implementing that more attacking philosophy. But there's also that defensive balance, so that's good. Other than that, I really want to see the Milanese sides do well. So um, I believe that AC Milan, no disrespect to you, Nick, I think the Rossoneri might be on a better path than Inter. I hope Inter does well too, but um, early days. But it seems that AC Milan have a clearer plan. They seem to be investing in the right players, paying the right amounts, unlike Auxilio who overspends. So probably my hope is that the Rossoneri improve and they're strong enough to get a Champions League spot because historically they've been Italy's best representatives in Europe and I think we need a strong AC Milan for Italian football to look better but also just to show fans worldwide that AC Milan can be back on the rise again after years of declining. Yeah, I think... I was expecting a Genoa rant from you. I was expecting Genoa to be relegated to be the first. Oh, thing that too, of course. I mean, uh, <laughs> I'll even uh, get my money out of my account. I'll fly to uh, Genoa and, yeah, I'll celebrate the relegation. Or even if some Doria pull off a miracle and somehow win some trophy, which I doubt, I'll fly there too. So, yeah, who knows what's going to happen, but. 
Um, I'm just looking forward to the future, actually. One season gone, season gone. You know, everybody expects the big clubs to always do well, but even in this day and age with all the multi-million deals, you still get the surprises. Yeah, reasonable. You heard it here first, guys. If Genoa get relegated, Vito is going to Genoa to celebrate. Keep an eye out on FIF TV for that. Nick, other than Inter, what do you want to see in Serie A next year? Um, firstly, it'd be um, there's a Serie B playoff that's happening, so it would be really nice to see Benevento get promoted, another Southern team, and then hopefully Benevento and Crotone survive Serie A next season again and uh, keep the Southern representation going in, in Serie A, keep that growing. We want to see more Calabrese, more Campania teams. So You're keep that to side of things Italy. going. Sorry, Dom? You're racist to Northern Italy, I'll tell you. But you're obsessed with Southern Italy tiny teams. I'm trying to balance it. It's just too much weighted to the North, Dom. I'm trying to... I don't care. We don't, we don't, don't, don't need random balancing. At FIF, yeah, but most of the... Most of the diaspora is from southern Italy anyway. Canada, America, Australia, most of them are of southern Italian origin. And instead of jumping on the Juve bandwagon, maybe it's good that they follow the teams from their regions and get in touch with their roots a little bit more. They should just follow Kievo, Vito. Kievo is the way forward. Oh, here we go. I knew it was leading. Uh, as long as they ditch the veteran defence that played for Fiorentina in 2006 and bring in those kids, then maybe we see progress from the fine monkeys. <laughs> Uh, that, doesn't, that doesn't need to happen. We, need, we just need a meritocracy, Nick. We don't need this southernocracy thing that you want to start going. Meritocracy, get in there if they deserve to be. End the story. All right. Sorry, um, no, before I come anyway, to you. No, no, Nick, sorry, can I, can I finish my thing? Um, it was just basically off the back of what Vito said too. Um, I would love, love for um, the Serie A teams to actually perform in Europe and actually show some of culture, football, you know, it doesn't get the the biggest rap these days, and in some in some areas, I guess you can say it's rightly so. But you know, I, I'm actually excited for the next couple of seasons. I think a lot of teams have been growing, and I think in the next couple of seasons, we're going to have that top five or six that could become really strong again. So um, I just really hope they put up a good showing in Europe and get into those quarterfinals and the semifinals. So it's not just La Liga all the time. It's you know. Hopefully, maybe La Liga and Serie A fighting it out for the for the trophies. Yeah, let's just hope Napoli don't draw Real Madrid again. Uh, <laughs> Dov, before I come to you, my two things really quickly would be for Atalanta not to get relegated and secondly for Napoli to win Serie A. Dov, go ahead. Take us away with yours. All I want, all I want is a Scudetto race. A proper Scudetto race. None of this rubbish... Oh, Romar, four point. There was not. There's not been a Scudetto race for the last four or five years. Syria needs a title race. That's what it needs. That's all. I, that's all I want. I don't care about anything else. A title race. Would you take a title race if Kievo finished bottom with zero points? Yes, I would. Syria needs a title race. It's so boring. Yeah, <laughs> it is. So the, I said the Italian football podcast are well done. Serie A has been it, it is boring. Like the football, like you get good games and things like that, but the league is just when you get to in the terms depth, of a contest. 
Yeah, yeah you can get it to December. You've got the, the that's where the leagues, that's where the teams are going to finish. So it's rubbish. You want to see teams competing with you. You want competition. There's no competition. Juve win the league every season. Roma and Napoli finish second and third every season, and then take your pick between Milan, Inter, Lazio, Fiorentina for. Europa League spots. That's pretty much the way Serie A goes. Luckily, we had a decent story in Atalanta, but and, and Crotone. But other than that, it's, uh, it's it's boring. And that's that. that I don't want to say that because I love Serie A, as you guys know, <laughs> because of this. But you just need a title race. You need to have competition in the league, and that's all. That's all I want for Christmas. All right, that's reasonable. Christmas is still some way away, but hopefully. The title race will still be on. Well, hopefully you've better have won it by Santa 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 That's what we don't want. <laughs> no, Napoli will win it next year. I'm, I'm telling you. I'm yeah, staying I'm positive here. I'm with Connor. It's Napoli. Right. Um, for our listeners, viewers, readers, whatever you are, there are going to be some changes to ForzItalianFootball.com over the summer, so keep an eye out for those exciting things. Nick, Am I getting the boot? Getting the boot? Hopefully. Nick, before you leave us permanently, give a Patreon plug there because I did it at the start and you're better. Um, Yeah, you guys probably may or may not be aware, I guess, that we do not only this podcast, but we have a a beautiful website, ForzaItalianFootball.com, that has all the latest news, features. Um, Every now and then we cover games as well. Um, And then we also have a YouTube channel, which we've, started um in january this year which we basically cover everything and anything um big topics opinions transfer news um previews match analysis you name it basically we've been pushing that um so we're trying to cover as much as of culture as possible on as many different mediums as possible and we do this completely voluntary out of our own time um for the love of the game you know we do it for no other reason but obviously it does help if we have some funds to go towards uh, equipment and to actually help us pay our way because, you know, as you can see by our, um, by the look of us, we're not the, we're not that, um, we're not that in great, in, we're not in great shape. So some of us anyway. So um, no, it, any, any kind of donations, whether it's, it's small change pounds or if you have a big inheritance, it does help us put it back into the product and we want to continually improve this and make it, you know, the, the best coverage for Serie as possible. So um, please go to patreon.com forward slash what's uh, time football. There you go. Better than me. I told you. As always, guys, there's good content and articles going up on the site. I can't think of them off the top of my head now because my head is melted after today. But head over to ForzItalian.com. ForzaItalianFootball.com and read some of them. Oh, my goodness. Connor, do you even know anything? No, I don't. Not after today, though, but I'm blaming you for this. I'm going to tell the listeners, right? The listeners need to know. In the Champions League final, (laughs) Connor Clancy had an excuse for this. And said, Mario Lamina has been sent off. Not only is that racist, that's terribly unprofessional. (laughs) I have an excuse for this. Um. I kind of stopped watching when Juve went 3-1 down and I just had it on in the background and I was on my laptop. Oh, black guy's been sent off. It must be Lamina. That's terrible, fancy. (laughs) I can't remember where I was watching it, but the commentator said Lamina, just minutes after coming on, has been sent off. And I was just like, oh, Mario Lamina's been sent off. 
So that that's my excuse, and I'm sticking with it. Do some you quick social killed, media. Nick's Nick dead. Nick dead. <laughs> well, hopefully not yet, because I'm going to see him in a couple of weeks, so I'd like him to be alive, but <laughs> I'm sure I'll cope if not. Nick, they can find us on Twitter at Serie A FFC, on Facebook at Forza Italian Football, and on Instagram at Forza Italian Football. Where can the... Well, we can't hear Nick move on. No, yeah, I thought that was just me that couldn't hear him. His mic is supposed to be on as well. Dove, you don't really use social media, do you? Uh, Facebook page, that's it. You can type in Dove on Facebook and you'll find it. All right, Nick is at Nick Z. Carol, and he has a Facebook page at Nicholas Carroll. Vito, what about you? Okay, people can find me on my Facebook page. So that's just my name, Vito Doria. Otherwise, my Twitter handle is Vito C. Doria. So um, follow me there, too, in addition to all the great stuff on FIF. Nick, I think you're back. Speak. Hello. Hello. Yeah. What did you want to say? Um, yeah, I'm on Twitter and stuff, so cool. <laughs> You're useless. Shut up. Turn your mic back off. It was better when it was broken. Um, I was forced into a rebrand, so I'm at Con Jake. Oh, I think on Twitter mm, now. I have a Facebook page called Where's Rest in Peace Con Culture? Yeah, he's dead. Probably for the best. Con Culture was a bit more professional than Con Jake. Anyway, <laughs> at least he could speak. What's the J stand for um, for all the listeners? Jackass. The J. Jimmy. Jimmy. Yeah, Dove. Dove, you thought it was something weird, didn't you? Gerald? Jamie. Gerald? Gerald's a G. Oh, that's a good one. Jasmine. Listeners, what do you think the J stands for? (laughs) Comment below. (laughs) Yeah, so you can tweet that to AtConCalcio because I'm not bothered reading what your guesses are, to be honest. Right, um, yeah, we might do some things over the summer, sure. Keep an eye on our Twitter and stuff, and we'll let you know through there. Um, Other than that, there's nothing really for me to say, except share for now. Portaci dove vuoi, verso le tue conquiste, dove tu arriverai, sarà la storia di tutti noi, solo chi corre può fare di te la squadra che sei. Fiume, storia di un grande amore.
Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.